You're listening to the Get Your Head in the Game podcast, a show that shines a light on mental health in the sports community and manifests a dialogue amongst those looking to make a change. My name is Josh Kim, and I'm a journalist and photographer best known for my creative work across the sports landscape. And I'm sitting down with athletes, sports professionals, and coaches alike to talk about their own personal correlations between sports and mental health. Please be advised that the content discussed in this podcast contains mature subject matter and that listener discretion is advised. In episode 12, I'm honored to be joined by Sportsnet's Tara Sloan, a groundbreaking icon within the sports industry and the host of Rogers Hometown Hockey, as well as Sportsnet's top of her game. Joining Ron McLean in 2014 to facilitate Hometown Hockey in its inaugural season, Tara has since played a large role in its nationwide success, broadcasting games from local communities across the country. Now working on her new docuseries Top of Her Game, Tara joins the podcast to discuss her experiences as a woman in sports, how her mindset has evolved over the course of her broadcasting career, and the impact that our groundbreaking projects continue to make on the sports industry. As I said off the top, another exceptional guest joins me on episode 12 of the Get Your Head in the Game podcast, Tara Sloan. She's the host of Rogers Hometown Hockey as well as Sportsnet's Top of Her Game and is currently a trailblazer within the sports industry, not only for what she has accomplished so far, but for also being a role model for so many aspiring sports professionals. Tara, I appreciate you taking the time today. I know you're quite busy with the docuseries Top of Her Game in full swing, but how are you? How are things doing during year two of pandemic life? Oh, my God. That's the first time it's been framed that way, but you're right. We are into year two. Um, you know, I wish I could say I've, I've gotten used to it, but I don't think anybody anticipated it going this long. So we're all experiencing pandemic fatigue. I feel lucky that I am employed and extremely busy and my family's healthy, but uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of moment to moment day to day. It's, it's not been easy. Yeah, totally. Um, it's not been easy for a lot of people, industry professionals and students alike. It's been kind of a hectic time. Um, you know, even though we've been, it's kind of been normalized in society now with the, a calendar year going by, still, uh, still a challenging time for everybody, which is a great segue into our conversation today. So my first question for you is why is mental health important? It's again, for a reminder for those just tuning in, it's the first question that I ask all my guests here on the show, because it really kickstarts the dialogue when it comes to the subject and, and how difficult and heavy it is sometimes to talk about. So why is mental health important to you? Well, I mean, it's the foundation of everything, right? I mean, you can have everything in your life uh, seemingly going right. Um, but if you don't have the foundation of good mental health, you and physical health, obviously, um, you really don't have anything, you know, so I, I think it's just it's the, <laughs> the only way to really keep it together. Um, yeah, it's, it's just I would liken it to truly the foundation of, of the house. It's, it's impossible um, to really to build and um, live life in a healthy way without your mental health. Yeah, for sure. It's really hard to, to really even go out about your daily business without having your, you know, your mental health being in a good place. So that's a really good answer and a great way to start our conversation. So diving right in here as a woman in sports, it's quite obvious that women don't receive the amount of respect that they deserve in the sports industry, you know, compared to their male counterparts. I've had the opportunity to talk to some of my classmates about that very subject, particularly in comparison to your male counterparts. I know you've spoken about this quite a bit, and but what impact does an industry that's notoriously divisive when it comes to gender have on your mental health as someone so prominent in the industry itself? Well, I think varying things at various times. Um, I think that 
you know, we all suffer from self-doubt. Um, but when you have things feeding self-doubt, like negative social media or, you know, just general, when you're constantly beating the door down, um, when you're having to fight that much harder, when you're constantly talked over, looked over, said no to, um, these things take their toll. And so I think, you know, you're working from a little bit of a, of a deficit position. Um, and you know, I, I especially think you, maybe you get used to it. I mean, you know, I'm in my forties and I think I, I'm lucky enough to have been in the industry for a long enough time. And I, I kind of, I have some support, um, but yeah, it can really just take away like your, your self-doubt can just gnaw at you. Um, and if you start to believe the, the detractors and start to hear no enough, you start to believe that. It's really unfortunate that that is that has become a vibe that's been normalized in in the industry itself. And I know the people that are coming up uh, through the pipeline and trying to enter and get their foot in the door in the industry are definitely trying to change that. And the people ahead of them are still, uh, you know, participating in the effort to change that indeed. So playing off that theme a little bit, what are some of the things that you do on days where the criticism from others is just a little too much? And what would you encourage others to do when they encounter similar thoughts? You mentioned it does take a toll eventually. So what are the things that you do to kind of, you know, escape that, that reality and kind of unplug for lack of a better word? Well, I think that there are, you know, in, the, in, in my tool belt, I mean, I was raised in a, a household that practiced Buddhism. So for me, I was raised medita- a meditator. Um, so I, I turn to mindfulness meditation um, at times when I really need to just ground myself and also just work with thoughts. You know, mindfulness is really good for just sort of remembering to identify thoughts as just thoughts as opposed to having concrete meaning. Um, So I would say that's sort of number one for me. Um, And also just breaks and boundaries. I I think that that's, you know, I'm not that good at saying no to things. Um, I'm not that good at taking breaks. And I think it's a practice probably for everybody uh, in this industry, you know, as as much as many others, it's just, it feels like you could go, 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 go. And if you're not, then you're not working hard enough. But I think it's important uh, to take breaks, not just, you know, physical breaks, um, go for a walk, but also take breaks from social media. I mean, we, again, always have to swing back to social media because that's where, that's the space in which so many of us are existing right now. Um, So just turn off the comments section and don't pay attention to that stuff. But yeah, I, I think... I mean, self-care, it's a bit of a, a cliche, but I think it's its crucial. It is definitely a bit of a cliche. And social media is also one of those things that has been accented during pandemic life, which makes it arguably even harder to take a break and unplug from all that stuff going on because mm-hmm. it feels like life is flying by at a mile a minute, even though we're all stuck at home. So that's a really good answer and a really good takeaway for people who want to, you know, escape from that. Uh, aspect of life. So diving into your work a little bit, you're the currently the host of hometown hockey where you travel coast to coast with Ron McLean. What exactly is the travel process like behind that show? And how does continuously being on the road affect your mentality as an on air talent? You know, you always have to be prepared. You always have mm-hmm. to, you know, come on the air with an open mind and an open mentality to talk to whoever you're going to talk to with that particular day. So what is the mentality like, you know, behind the scenes? 
Well, I would say for sure the hardest thing is the travel and the accompanying exhaustion. Um, so staying afloat in that way is is truly to me the most difficult thing. Fortunately, you know, we end up in places where we're welcomed with open arms and people are they're they're always the the saving grace. You know, whenever we start to flag, I think Ron and I both feel like people around us um, lift us up and that's the beauty of, of communities across Canada. Um, but for sure, I mean, I've had to learn, you know, both on the road as a musician and on the road with hometown hockey, um, you know, you can't do everything all the time. You can't, you can only burn the candle at both ends uh, so much before your body will tell you that you have to stop. So it's hard to practice good sleep hygiene when you're, you know, going, changing time zones all the time. Um, but just doing, you know, making sure certain things like I always do have, you know, I always exercise. I always have a yoga practice. Um, eating well is crucial. So you just, you can't live like a rock star all the time. You have to, to keep that stuff in, in check. But like I said, the, the counter and, and the good fortune of that show is, um, you know, the, the people that we meet give us a lot of energy. Yeah, I think that's a really, you know, on that aspect of life on the road isn't really talked about or seen really by the public. It's all glamour, 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 and not really any of the, any of the stuff behind the scenes that's really exposed to public eye. But for mm -hmm. you, as many hockey Canadian hockey fans know, as well as myself, hometown hockey has grown the sport across Canada, and the impact, as you mentioned, can certainly be felt on a national level. You know, it's become a bit of a Sunday tradition for me. I've been missing it because it was always about Saturday night was hockey night, and then when Sunday nights came along, it's like, you know, why not double them up? So mm -hmm. there's one particular episode that I want to highlight, and that's when the show stopped in the Enoch Cree Nation. I hope I'm, pronoun I'm pronouncing that yeah, right. Yeah, you are. And did the first ever, great, that's great to hear, and did the first ever NHL broadcast in Plains Cree. Now, that's definitely a part of Canada's culture that I feel doesn't get talked about enough. So what stood out to you from that particular stop, and how does knowing that you're growing the game on a national level impact your mindset as someone who's in the hockey community? Well, that is a great question. And I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. There's not that much more to say, really. It, I mean, when people ask, which is my favorite stop, um, you know, I always hesitate to, to name just one because we've been, I don't know, we've done 150. And um, honestly, they're all special. But I think that Enoch Cree Nation was the first time we were hosted on a First Nation. Um, and that really you know, started to be important to us on the road when we were, we weren't hosted officially by First Nations, but of course they were involved in um, communities across the country that were hosting hometown hockey. And we realized, um, I guess, how woefully undereducated we all were uh, and how beautiful the cultures were and important Um and, you know, also just some of the tragic elements, like how many, how many communities still have boil water advisories to this day and, and things like that. And so, you know, we, we were interacting with these First Nations across the country and it was magical. And so Enoch Cree Nation was the first one to host hometown hockey. And as you said, the first time that there was a simulcast in Plains Cree. So APTN took care of that. And for me, uh, and for many of us, watching um, people who grew up in that community, we also had 
Chief Wilton Littlechild, who at the time was Treaty 6 Grand Chief, he grew up um, playing hockey, but he grew up in the residential school system. And, and um, he has said that sport really saved his life. And so to watch him and Shane Peacock and some of the organizers of that event watch and listen to this on TV with tears streaming down their faces. Um, I mean, it was just, it was so beautiful and, and so humbling and for sure lit the fire in us. You know, it's just, it, it was so important. For sure. And and just that right there, what you just said is is the type of groundbreaking impact that this, that this show has made. And, you know, the whole aspect of the tragedy with the residential schools, the beautiful cultures up north and in and around Canada for First Nations. I feel like that in, in general is something that's not discussed or not even exposed mm -hmm. enough in Canadian in modern Canadian culture today. And that needs to change, obviously, starting with everybody. So Moving forward to your most recent project, another groundbreaking project. I'm, I'm <laughs> sensing a theme here. You recently started a docu-series airing on Sportsnet called Top of Her Game, which focuses on women's rights via interviews with some amazing female athletes and executives. I know Christine Sinclair was on there recently. What was the origin story behind that groundbreaking series? And what are some of your biggest takeaways from the interactions that you've had with the amazing guests so far? Well, the origin... It really is a little bit of an offshoot of hometown hockey, because I would say that, you know, hometown hockey gave us the, the platform and, um, you know, we were very intentional on that show about um, giving voice to communities that maybe didn't have it so much before. And that includes women. Um, but really, it was a top of her game was a result of the pause in live sports when the pandemic started. And there were a few of us that were looking through websites and not seeing, you know, there were, there were no live sports, but you were still hearing about the NHL and MLB and MLS. And there were like, there was nothing, nobody was talking about women's sports. And so to me, the absence became glaring. Um, so there was a group of us that just decided to like, get some, let's, let's get something up on the air. And it was a time when they needed content and it was originally only supposed to be six episodes or so. And now we're on episode, I don't know, 38. Um, and it's not going to stop. And we hope that it grows and expands. And I, we think it's been very meaningful. Um, the takeaway is the world needs more. I mean, it's just, it's, it's nice to be uh, the first, but we certainly don't want to be the only um, because, you know, it's just, we're just moving the needle a little bit, but this needs to be normalized. Like ideally you don't want to have to have a show just focusing on women in sport. You want these stories spread across networks and broadcasts. So, but for now you have, we have to be intentional about showcasing and highlighting these stories. And there are just so many remarkable women out there doing incredible things. Yeah, I 100% agree. And that's, I think, one of the one of the few positives out of pandemic life. There have been so many more opportunities for us to reflect and, you know, shine a light on important topics. You talk about women's in, women in sports, mental health in sports, uh, equality and race in sports and diversity and representation. All these things are now being, you know, kind of exposed and pushed into the spotlight where they should be mm -hmm. on a daily basis. And I couldn't agree more <laughs> there. Mm -hmm. So hometown hockey, top of her game. These are all projects that, you ha that have and will continue to make a substantial impact in the world of sports. With that in mind, what type of mentality does it take to not only envision change, so come up with the ideas to drive change forward, but execute it in a way 
that will resonate with people and make an impact on a broad scale? Um, well, I think you have to be stubborn, <laughs> you know, I That's mean, I good. do think I do. I think you have to have, um, you can't be easily swayed. I think you have to have a bit of a one pointed drive. Um, you know, I think again, Ron and I both have a sense of, of what's right and what hasn't been spoken of enough. Um, so that's one thing. And then on the other hand, you know, if I'm, if I'm looking at the sort of business model, I'm also looking at the public and if my, uh, my stories, my content, my whatever you want to call it, isn't representative of the, the greater public, then I think I'm probably doing something wrong. But if you're, I mean, for me, it's just, it's, it's pure stubbornness. I, I, I can't bear to see inequity. Um, I know people want me to stick to sports, but it's impossible. <laughs> I just can't do it. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, multifaceted impacts are is what exactly what we need in the industry right now. And I think that's what a lot of people are focusing on, you know, coming up the pipeline. And, you know, the mentality has shifted in general, in the industry itself. So on a more broad scale, for the men and women looking to break into the industry today, and, you know, following in your footsteps and the footsteps left by so many revolutionary people that we've seen today, how do you think they can institute change and create a culture, not only a more inclusive culture and a more respectful culture, but a culture where gender is no longer seen as a controversial issue. It's not even controversial. Mm -hmm. It's not even an issue. But right now, a lot of people seem very divided when where they shouldn't be. So what, mm -hmm. what do you think the future of the sports industry can do in order to change that mentality? Well, I mean, I do think that that gatekeepers have to start um, opening, opening their gates. You know, they have to start inviting more uh, voices and faces to the table. You know, I mean, I, I think from a grassroots level and from the ground up and your generation, uh, I think is, is hopefully just going to understand inherently that, that these stories need to be told, deserve to be told. Um, and, you know, hopefully your generation also has role models that look like you, like, that's the, the point that's hopefully will be the difference maker. Um, but yeah, there are lots of levels at which change needs to be made. And I'm most concerned about the top. <laughs> I'm most concerned about the top down because I see, like, I think people your age are, are creating great content. Um, and I think it is diverse and representative content, but you, the doors still need to be opened at the top. And, um, you know, there are very few women and Lord knows there are very few people of color and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Change definitely starts at the top. You're definitely right about the next generation coming up and creating a lot of diverse content out there. That's definitely something I've seen in my program with my colleagues, but yes, you're very spot on with that answer in the sense that change does start at the top and, and that starts the implementation of a new culture and a new precedent. So knowing that you're an inspiration to so many women and people in general out there as well, that aspire to make a difference. So people coming up, as I mentioned, through university and through the school systems now that want to enter the industry, how does that affect your mindset as you continue to establish change in the sports industry in the face of both encouragement from people like us and criticism from people who are still stuck in a time where, you know, <laughs> gender is a divided issue where it shouldn't be? I would say that I am just, I don't think it's an option to play it safe anymore, but I will also say that I, that is a privilege that I have been afforded. So 
again, having, having a place in the industry that I do. Um, but I am, you know, I'm a, a white cisgendered woman. Um, I understand that it's like, it's easier for me than it may be for other people to speak my mind, but because it is, uh, it, it's not an option not to use my voice at this point. So that's, that's how I approach it. I mean, you know, I do think, uh, I do think loud voices can be heard. And so that's just what I plan to be. Yeah. Accepting your responsibility to be that future and to be that role model for, for the people coming up behind you is just a great weight and a great first step really to make an impact in the industry. And that's exactly what you've been doing. So that's just a great way to wrap things up. Tara Sloan, she's the host of Rogers hometown hockey and Sportsnet's top of her game. Make sure to catch new episodes of that show on sportsnet.ca and Sportsnet's YouTube channel. Tara, as someone who's watched you on TV before university, as someone who continues to support the work of myself and my colleagues, I truly appreciate you taking the time to chat about mental health and sports. I can guarantee that a lot of us are pursuing the sports industry because of you. And I hope you continue to find success during these challenging times. Well, thank you. This was excellent, Josh. Really appreciate it. Carolyn, Julie, I am so happy that you found the time in your very busy schedule to join us on top of her game. So I guess I have to ask in this time that has been so challenging for so many, it's also been very joyful for you and your family as you welcomed Tessa to the family. What's it like with a toddler and a four month old at your house? We're alive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was, it's been great. It's the first two months were